At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. If that does not fire you up, you need to check your pulse and see if you're still alive. How many praise God for our worship today? I want to say thanks to our entire team. You guys are awesome. Can I pray for us this morning? Father, thank you so very much for allowing us to be a spiritual family alive in you. And Lord, we do thank you for the glorious day in which you rose from that grave declaring all power is in your hands. And you tell us now to go, to be your disciples, to make disciples, to receive your love, and to share that love. And I pray that we would do it for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said a big amen and amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, there's a lot to rejoice over today. It is fifth Sunday. That means it's family Sunday. How many thank God for families? Amen. A little bit of delay reaction. I'll let you process that yourself, but uh, it is great to be here. We got a lot of fun in store. You know, I want to say thanks for Pastor EJ. Normally, he and I uh, color coordinate a little bit better. This morning, he decided to dress like Christmas, and I decided to dress like spring today. I put this jacket on, and my wife said, this is not the season for that jacket. And I said, I'm putting it on because I can fit it. And praise God, I was able to button the button. How many know what I'm talking about today? You know, it's been about three and a half weeks, and uh, I have not been eating any fast food. Yesterday, I got a call from McDonald's. They were just doing a, a safety check to make sure I was okay. They checked in on me. I said, I'm still alive. I'm just not going to be visiting you anytime uh, soon. But it is great uh, to be together. Thank you so much uh, for being spiritual family. You guys are, are that. You know, when we call uh, this Sunday family Sunday, we're, we're trying to affirm two things. We're trying to affirm, number one, uh, that we are committed to seeing our families flourish, to seeing your family flourish. We want to see husbands loving wives and wives loving husbands and singles knowing that they have a place in the body of, of believers where they can receive and and give fellowship and love. We wanna see parents loving children and children flourishing as they love their moms and dads. And maybe that doesn't describe your family now. Just know that we have staff and resources and counselors and, and prayer materials and all of these things are designed to help your families to uh, flourish in Jesus. So please know we're here for you. But the second thing we're trying to affirm is the fact that the church is a spiritual family. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful to be a part of this spiritual family, to be a part of the Woodside family. How many are grateful for that? How many are glad to be a part of the Woodside family? When Pastor Doug invited me to come onto the team, part of the interview process was to ask my theology. What do you believe the Bible teaches about church? And I believe that the Bible teaches that the church is a family, not an organization, not just a movement, but, but we're a spiritual family. And there are some people who really uh, bring that to life. And I just want to say a special shout out, special thank you uh, to Jim and Kelly McClellan. And they didn't know I was going to say thank you, but I just want to say thanks for being you. Uh, they are, yeah, it's okay to clap for that. Uh, 
Uh, they are just an incredible couple who mean so much to me and my wife, and Kelly helps to care for our staff. And this has been a season where a lot of our uh, staff have needed extra care and encouragement. A lot of our families do uh, that have been going through sickness or grief and loss. And uh, I would just ask that you would just be praying as you pray for our spiritual family, pray for our staff, pray for our leaders, that um, we might be protected from the attacks of the enemy and that we might be able to lead well also. Today I want to do uh, two things that I have never done in a Woodside service before. Two things I've never done. The first thing I want to do is to dedicate this service to a special uh, person. Her name is Charlesetta Fuller. Now, many of you probably have never met her before, uh, but Charlesetta was instrumental in me coming to faith in Christ and growing in faith in Christ. I met Charlesetta uh, as a young man uh, through a group of teenagers that uh, went over to her house, and this was at my previous church. And you ever have those uh, those church moms who just open up their hearts, open up their homes uh, to uh, the, the youth in the church? She was one of them, and she was the type of woman that when you walked into her house, you were not going to walk out without the gospel and the Bible. And so I walked into her house, I got the gospel, I got a Bible, and I've been living in the Word of God ever since. Uh, she befriended uh, not only me, but my, my family and her family, and uh, she became my mom's uh, closest friend. And uh, yesterday, she made her transition uh, and is receiving her reward and glory. Uh, and it's a sad moment, but it's also a glorious moment. How many look forward to that day where there'll be no more weeping, no more crying, and no more tears? How many praise God for that? But the big lesson that Charles Zetta taught me was that, uh, that the church is a spiritual family. So I thought that this would be a great Sunday to just honor her. But the second thing I want to do, and this is some, one thing that families do together, is today I'm going to lead us in a song. We're going to sing together uh, today. Now, some of you look really, really nervous, and you probably should be, but I'm not going to sing along. Anybody ever have uh, family sing-alongs? Anybody ever do that, family sing-alongs? Uh, two people in the, in the church. Praise God. This is going to go over really, really well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a song that I think that all of us uh, will know. I'll sing the first line of the song, and then I'm going to point to you, and you got to finish it off. Everybody know their part? Right? I'm going to start. You finish it off. All right, here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know. You guys sound great. We got to do this more often. The Woodside Choir is alive and well. But today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the, the love of Jesus and how we can know that Jesus loves us. And we're going to do it by looking at the Word of God. The way we know that Jesus loves us is through the Scriptures. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, because it's Family Sunday, we got to look out for the kids. So we printed up these kids' notes for our our kids, and if you're at home, moms and dads, you should have received an email yesterday uh, that says, what's our kids? You can print these out, and you can uh, uh, play along with us today, participate with us today. Now, here it is, kids. If you fill out all the blanks here and take this to our Connect Desk, you're going to get a, 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 a prize at that Connect Desk. And if there's little brothers and sisters that don't know how to spell yet, you help them out, and we'll make sure that there's no uh, uh, tensions at home 
and give them one as well. Now, I'm gonna give you the first two lines and then you're gonna have to fill in the rest. The first line is the line that gives the title for the series, Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again. So the first blank is love. You wanna fill that in. And I see some adults filling it out. Adults, we'll make sure we get you a prize as well. And then the second line, this is the title line, it says, what's love got to do with it? And that is, what's love got to do with it? And I'll let your mom and dad talk to you about Tina Turner. I won't do that today. Mom and dads, I'll leave that entirely up to you. But when uh, I get to the points that you should fill in, they'll be uh, on the screen underlined in green, so you follow along. But John, we're going to be looking at uh, First John. We're going to be landing the plane on this wonderful series. Next week, we're going to uh, be looking at Bible prophecy, and it's going to be great. But First John talks about knowing God's love. And Pastor Steve was here last week where he did a marvelous job defining what the love of God is. But today, as we go further in 1 John chapter 4, what John wants us to do is to go from knowing God's love intellectually to knowing God's love experientially. The love of God is not something we just simply know cognitively, but it's something that we should know personally. God wants us to be confident in that love so that we can say with confidence, Yes, Jesus loves me. How many believe that? Yes, Jesus loves me. How many can say that with confidence, not just on your good days, but on your bad days? This is what we often refer to as blessed assurance. But let's be honest, you can know that intellectually. You can even know the lyrics to the song that I just sang so beautifully, my melodious voice. You can, you can know that information, but still have a struggle being confident that Jesus loves you or being confident that you're even saved or that you're a Christian. Now, sometimes it happens when you go through a challenging season and your faith is turned upside down and you wonder, Jesus, do you love me? Am I even yours? Sometimes that happens because you can't get over your past mistakes. And some of you are here today and you know your own track record, just like I know my own track record. You know your own failures, just like I know mine. You know your own mistakes, just like I know mine. And sometimes we can't get over that mistake or, or those mistakes. And even though Jesus has forgiven us, we haven't received his forgiveness or forgiven ourselves. Sometimes there's just this nagging voice of doubt that is in the back of your mind consistently causing you to question, am I truly a believer? Am I truly loved by God? Well, today we want you, and I believe the Apostle John, as we read this letter, would say he wants you to have confidence that in spite of past mistakes, in spite of the challenges of the season, in spite of that voice of doubt, that Jesus loves you and, he, and that he is for you and that you are his and that he is yours. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John uh, chapter 4, and uh, let me use this as an opportunity to remind you of what John says his mission is in writing this letter. His mission in writing this letter was seen in chapter one, verse number three. He says that what, that which we have seen with our eyes and heard with our ears, we share with you uh, so that you might have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. It was as if John was saying, man, we have this, this 
wonderful, loving relationship with God and with other believers, and we want to invite you into it. And that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a community where deep love is being experienced. Kind of picture for a moment, if you need a visual, picture a triangle. And in John's mind, at the top of that triangle is God. On one side of the base of that triangle is John, and on the other side are the believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And in the middle, there's this big word called fellowship. And what John is saying is that, man, I'm receiving such wonderful love from the Father, this love that comforts my heart and casts out all of my fears and reassures me. And, and then I'm receiving this wonderful love from my brothers and sisters in Christ, caring for my practical needs and my spiritual needs. This is wonderful. And not only that, I'm giving love back to God, and I'm giving love to them, and together we're giving love to God, together receiving his love. And, and this love is so rich and so healing that he wants others to be invited into it. See, it's, it's that love that should compel our evangelism. It's that love that should call one, cause one friend to share with another friend the good news about Jesus. So, so when we're experiencing this love, we should want other people to experience that love as well. Now, for John, all of this starts with faith in Jesus. And what we're going to see here, and get ready, what we're going to see here, I'm going to give you another blank, is to believe in Jesus is to know God's love. To believe in Jesus is to know God's love. That's the big idea of this text that we're going to be looking at today. To believe in Jesus is to know God's love. Well, how do we experience God's love where we can be confident of it? Well, John gives us three ways that he wants us to experience God's love. First, he wants us to know. He wants us to know God's love in us. He wants us to know God's love in us, that God's love is in us. All right, moms and dads, you should be helping the kids at this point. Verses 13 through 15 read is this way, reads this way. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. John, notice that John wants us to know this, that, that God abides in us and that we abide in God. He wants us to, again, see love, not just intellectually, but he wants us to see it experientially. I told you earlier in this series that John uses the word to know or gnosis in the Greek all throughout this letter and that there's two types of knowledge. There is intellectual or informational knowledge and then there's personal intimacy. There's experiential knowledge. That's what John is talking about here. He said, I want you to know. I want you to know experientially and to be confident that you abide in God and God abides in you. This word abide is such a sweet, sweet word. It means to embrace. It means to dwell in. It means to soak in. 
Now, now just think about what he just said. He, he talks about this deep theological concept that many theologians have referred to as this mutual abiding. This mutual abiding, not only does God come to abide in me when I believe and put my faith in Christ, but I abide in him. We embrace one another with this deep, deep love, this, this won't let go affirmation that I love you and you love me. Now, if you need a visual of this, you know, I will say that all the parents in here, in particular, if you're in my season of parenting where you got the little munchkins at home, uh, will tell you that the sweetest part of any day, no matter how long or tough it is, is when you pull up in that driveway and that garage door opens or you open the front door to your house and you hear this, the, the stampeding herd coming at you of those little kids and they give you that big, big hug Man, does that melt your heart, right? And the church said, amen. That makes up for a multitude of sins, doesn't it? It's such a sweet, sweet thing. But what's happening? I love when my kids hug me tight, and I get a chance to hug them back. And what's happening? There's this mutual abiding happening. I'm hugging them, and they're hugging me. And this is the visual that John wants us to have when it comes to abiding in God, that when we put our faith in God, he abides in us and we in him, there's an embrace, this internal embrace, and he will not let us go. You know, I got a sweet guy at home, Judah, who just celebrated his seventh birthday, and Judah is so sweet, you know, I asked him, we often ask our kids, well, what do you want for your birthday? And uh, the rest of my kids are happy capitalists. I call them happy capitalists. They always have a pretty long list of things they want, but Judah's response was, and it's always the same, is that I just want our family to be together. Isn't that sweet? That's, that's his heart, and that's God's heart. He wants us to be a part of his family, and he wants our family to be together for us to abide in him and for him to abide in us. You know, there's, there's another way of thinking about abiding, and I use the word to soak in, and some of you might, might get this analogy. You know, if you eat dinner at night and uh, you decide after eating that dinner, that wonderful dinner, to leave the plate on the counter, right, and, uh, and leave it overnight, night, it's going to be hard to get that plate clean the next day. You're going to have to scrub off all of the dirt and the food that was left over on that plate. But there's another option, right? You can allow that plate overnight to soak in warm water, and what will happen the next day when it comes to cleaning it? Well, the, the food and the dirt will just come off easy because it's been soaking overnight. Well, in many ways, this is how our life Life is with sin. When we don't abide in Christ, when we don't abide in his love, trying to get the dirt off of our lives, the sin off of our lives is so difficult. But when we soak in the love of God, being in the community of believers, soaking in his love in scripture, in worship, then sin easily comes off of our lives. We should be abiding in him, friends. And this is the promise that he does abide in us. And how do we know he abides in us? Well, John tells us because he has given us 
his spirit, the spirit of God was deposited within you, deposited within me as a guarantee of eternal salvation when we put our faith and our trust in him. But how do we know that we have the spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked. He gives us a test in verses 14 and 15. And here's the test. Here's how you know that you're abiding in Christ, that you're abiding in God. He's abiding in you, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Here's how you know. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You see how simple it is? He says that the way that we know that we're abiding in God's love and that God's love is abiding in us is through our faith and trust in him. If we have confessed that Jesus is the savior of the world, then we don't have to worry, we don't have to doubt, we don't have to be insecure. We can have blessed assurance that we are saved. In John chapter four, in John's, I'm sorry, John chapter six, in John's gospel, what Jesus drives home in his teaching is that you can't even testify that, that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Son of God without God regenerating you and, and saving you. So the very fact that you testify that Jesus is the Son of God, how many believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God? How many believe that he is the Savior of the world? then you're abiding in him. Don't have fear. Have blessed assurance because you wouldn't testify to that. Now that word testify or, or confess that John uses here, in particular the word uh, confess, it, it is not just some rote intellectualism or, or, or some check the box type of affirmation. That word means to give thanks for promise. So, so picture what John is saying. He's saying those who give thanks for the promise the fulfilled promise that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that Jesus is the Son of God, they have God abiding in them and they are abiding in God. So today, are you rejoicing? Are you rejoicing that Jesus is the Savior of the world? And here's the opportunity I have to say, if you're not, then start now. Start today, put your trust in him, ask him to come and to save your life. He has already paid the highest price for you. He's already demonstrated his love for God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Put your trust in him and you will abide in him and he will abide in you. He is in us and we have blessed assurance. But John doesn't just want us to know God's love in us, but get ready to write this down. He wants us to know God's love for us. God's love for us. God is not just in us, God is for us. What does that mean? That means that God is fighting for you, he is uh, here to defend you, that he is here to bless you, that God is for us. Everybody say that with me. God is for us. Say that one more time. God is for us. Isn't that good news? Look at what he says in verses uh, 16 through 18. 
So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. There it is. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us, uh, with us rather, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is uh, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Man, that's a, that's a really sweet statement when you understand what he just said. He, he just said, listen, I want you to know that God is for you, and I want you to know it so deeply that you don't even fear the day of judgment. Now, he's referring to a very important teaching uh, that Jesus gave that he's not just the Savior who came once and died on that cross and went to heaven, but how many believe he's coming back again? How many believe that? And when he comes back again, praise God, when he comes back again, he will judge the world. Uh, the Father has given the Son that right to be able to judge the world for everything that we've done, every action God is going to judge. Now, for some, that will bring fear, but you, it should only bring fear if you have not done what we just learned in verse number 14, and that is testify that Jesus is the Savior of the world. If you've done that, then you don't have anything to fear because the Bible tells us there's two types of judgment. The first type of judgment is the judgment on whether or not you have accepted Christ as Lord, and those who have not, they will receive condemnation. And what it means to be condemned is kind of like an old building. An old building sometimes gets a sign on it that says condemned. That means it's, it's not good for anything. It has to be demolished. Well, this is what happens when we reject God's grace. When we don't want a relationship with God, we, we, we can't do anything valuable. Our value to the world is when we're loving them on God's behalf. But that's not the judgment you and I are gonna experience because we have put our faith in him, because we have testified that he is the savior of the world. The judgment we're gonna receive is one of rewards. The Bible talks about these rewards, these, these crowns that we're gonna get at the bema seed of God because we have honored him, because we have loved him, because we have served him. God doesn't want us to be afraid, even of judgment. You know, when, when God judges us, Yes, at times he has to correct us, but what John is saying here is that even when the Father corrects us, we don't have to worry about it because we will never experience, although we experience correction, we'll never experience rejection. You know, there are times when I have to correct my children. And it always goes along the same lines when I have to correct my children. Uh, typically I will start or I will finish with saying to them, uh, now, now listen, I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you, but I need you to behave better. Or, or, or I want you to stop doing what you're doing. And I, and I will saturate it with love. Why? Because I want them to know that even when I have to correct you, I am not rejecting you. That's the way that God's judgment comes to believers, not as rejection, but simply correction. 
You know, I, I, have a, I had a, a grandmother, a sweet grandmother, who went on to be with the Lord about, about seven years ago. It's hard to, uh, to believe it's been so long uh, since my grandmother uh, made her turn Jesus. But my grandmother loved me and my brother so much. Now, you got to see how big I am. I'm 6'6", six, six, and my grandmother, up until her dying day, when I walked into her little apartment, would say to me, now, come sit on my lap, sweetie. And here I am sitting on her lap. Now, my brother's bigger than me. He's 6'9", he's and she would do it with him as well. Most embarrassing thing you ever want to see, uh, but don't worry, we didn't take any pictures. But she was, she was so sweet, and when Granny would correct you, it wasn't with shouting or screams or threats. It was just you loved her so much you didn't want to disappoint her. Do you have anybody like that in your life? How many have somebody like that in your life that they don't even have to threaten you or yell? It's just that you love them so much you don't want to ever uh, disappoint them. Well, that's how we should love God. We should love God in such a way where we say, God, I don't want to do anything that will disappoint you. And we get to grow in that. And this is what he's talking about when he says, perfect love casts out fear. This, this love, this perfect love, doesn't mean that there aren't mistakes, doesn't mean that you don't have areas to grow in your love, but it means that it's a maturing love. It's a love that is completing itself. It's a love that is maturating in you as you live out God's word, loving him and loving others on his behalf. And when you know you're walking in love, you don't have to be afraid. You may not know every commandment in the Bible, but what did the Bible teach us about those commandments? You know, the Bible has a lot of commandments. Israel had 613 commandments just by themselves. But in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked uh, by a teacher of the law, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gives them two. The first one is to love the Lord with all of your being, to love God with everything that's within you. And the second one is to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you can't remember all the laws of the Old Testament and New Testament, just remember, if I love God with all my heart and I love my neighbor as myself, then I don't have any reason to fear. Amen? So God is in us, and he wants us to know uh, that love, that love is in us. And secondly, God is for us. But there's a third way that John wants us to experience or know God's love. He wants us to know God's love between us. God's love between us. Moms and dads, another opportunity for you to help those kids. He wants us to know God's love between us. Look at verses 19 and 20. It says, we, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 19 says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he cannot see, who, who, who uh, I'm sorry, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse number 21. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brothers. Now, I love the way that John starts this last little section of the paragraph, and he says this, we love God because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. The way that we are empowered to love is because we have received love. 
Now I want you to stay with me for a moment because this is absolutely critical for what else he's about to say. That we don't have the power to love on our own, but God gives us the power to love, to love him and to love others. Again, throughout this whole letter, John has talked about two types of people, those who are easy to love and those who are hard to love. Maybe you don't need uh, God's, or at least you don't feel like you need God's love, uh, God's help too much to love those who are easy to love. But how many know some hard to love people, right? And you need God's help. And even with those easy to love people, You're going to need God's help occasionally along the road. You're going to need God's help. And what he wants us to know is that God has come to empower us, to abide in us, so that we might be able to love, love who? To love others, to love the brothers. One New Testament scholar put it this way, that God does not give us some power or ability apart from his own presence that motivates us to love. God loves us, and it is the very love of God that empowers us to love others. It's his love at work in us that allows us to love one another. We're a spiritual family made up of a lot of different people, We're a spiritual family made up of uh, people with a lot of different opinions, but we have the ability to testify to the world that we've been changed in the fact that we love one another across cultural differences, across differences of opinion. And why are we able to do that? It's because God loved us. But then he goes on to say in verse number 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now I told you, John is not a diplomat. He's not running for office. He is a straight shooter and he wants us to know there's gonna be a lot of people who say, I love God, but they don't love people. And he says, if you are saying that or if a person says that, don't believe them, they're lying to you. He goes on to say, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That makes sense, right? If we we can't love people who are right next to us, open up our hearts and care for people who are right next to us, how are we going to say we love God? You know, earlier, Pastor EJ stood up and he talked about, man, it's, it's been a cold season and there's a lot of homeless people and we get a chance to respond to that. How many of you know that that's an opportunity for us to show the love of God is in us? How many believe that, right? We get a chance to show people, thousands of people, that the love of God is in us. Those are tangible ways. But if we know that there's a need, right, and we say, well, you know what? I can respond to that need, but I just choose not to because I'm busy or it's inconvenient for me and I know people are suffering, then what John is saying, don't ignore the need that you can meet and then turn around and say, I love God. If you're going to say you love God, demonstrate it. The evidence is by loving your brothers or loving people who you can see. And then he concludes in verse number 21 with this statement. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 
This is what God has called us to, my friends. This is the climax. This this, uh, passage here is the climax of John's entire letter. He wants us to know that God is love. He abides in us. He is for us. And because he abides in us and because he's for us, this love should be not only received, but it should be shared. And when we share his love, we are witnessing to the world that Jesus is Lord, and that will be a sweet aroma that invites people in. Maybe today you have never given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do so right now. And if you're in this auditorium, as soon as we're done worshiping, I want you to come up to the front and say, I want to know the love of God, that love that is in us and for us and between us. Or maybe you're watching right now, and and today you you want to give your life to Jesus like many have done right where you are. When Pastor EJ comes back up, he'll give you instructions on how you can do that so that one of our team members can reach out to you. But how many today believe and trust that God loves you, that he is for you, that he is in you, and how many rejoice in that? How many believe that today? Amen. Can you please stand all over the church? Let's pray together as the worship team comes back. Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your wonderful love. We don't deserve that grace. We certainly have not earned it. And Lord, you call us to give love away the same way we received it, by grace. And so Lord, may we give love to those who don't deserve it, those who have not earned it, because that's exactly where we were when you found us. And Lord, today we pray that you would bring us closer to you and that many would come into the family of God through faith in Jesus. We say thank you. And all of God's people said a big amen. God, yours. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.